Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. There's a theme actually today, hmm. um, a theme we sort of worked on in the past, but we've sort of turned the show over to it. It's it's really about how businesses are adapting yes, and maybe a call to action from a region that um, you might want to think about uh, visiting at school holidays soon. It is another week or two. Yes, uh, I think you've got a partner who's going to be very, very happy. That's yes, and I think there's also there's going to be a lot of people really keen to sort of bust out of their suburban surrounds this winter because it's been a pretty, it's been a really weird quarter because we've all been yep. stuck at home, and yep. I mean even just the idea of jumping in the car and taking a drive is unusually attractive. So we're going to talk to a person who might who might just recommend you drive out to maybe. East Gippsland. That's it. Um, Lindell Moore, she's um, part of the Gippsland scene, East mm. Gippsland, and um, she's actually had a place in uh, Lake Tyres, mm. uh, and uh, that has one of the best beaches in Australia. Does it really? It does. Uh, but this area has been hit hard. Uh, drought. Yes, and then? Insane. Remember summer, folks? Yeah. Like it's a, a lifetime ago. The, the feels- photos from Malakuta, the people yeah. sheltering in the pier. And just those days even in, in central Melbourne where it was hard to breathe because of the smoke, remember that? And it does I seem like forget a it. long, long time ago, but it probably mm. doesn't if you're an East Gippsland uh, resident because you're still dealing with all that. And you're still waiting for some people to come over the hill yeah. with, uh, with an empty esky perhaps. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk to uh, Lindell. She's going to talk to us about the area Maybe a reason why you might want to rediscover it mm-hmm. or discover it. Um, there are some multinational disrupting kind of companies around. There are. There I, are. I, I have a guilty secret to admit that I do occasionally pick up my smart telephone device and press a couple of buttons and, hey, presto. Someone's there with food. Dinner appears at the door. Uh-huh. And there is clearly an increased demand for this. You can see if you're if you living in a Melbourne, you can see a lot of delivery riders and things around. Look, in 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 one of the – at peak COVID, when yep. peak isolation, they were the only people on the streets. And Pretty they, much. I really felt for those people. Absolutely. It's like, look at you. Everybody else is in lockdown, but – there you are yep. doing what you do and good on you. Yep. Um, well, there's been some issues regarding these disrupting technologies, shall yes. we say. Yes. And uh, one restaurateur has uh, taken it upon himself to go, I'm not taking any more of this. <laughs> I was trying to do the Gregory Peck from, was it Network? I'm, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to – I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, Shane Delia, not usually a, a very, very mad person. He's quite level-headed. Yes. Lovely bloke. Yep. Um, and he's got a thing he's put together called Provador. Yes, and he's, it's, a, it's a food delivery service that works for the restaurant industry as opposed to maybe – not against Again, it, but, but yes. Well, that maybe leeches off it somewhat. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're going to have a bit of a chat to him. And also, uh, how's he dealing with – the realities of stuff. And yeah. then you might have read the article that appeared in the uh, Good Weekend last week. Yep. Ben Shuri. Yep. 
And uh, we're lucky enough to have Ben Shuri. So Ben Shuri, of course, from Attica Restaurant in Ripon Lee, that's, uh, that lauded famed, internationally. I was about to say that famed lasagna restaurant, as, yes. it, as it's now become. It is. And, uh, and uh, Vegemite Scroll. Yes. And do you want a T-shirt with that? Yes. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, my God, we've had to adapt in these times. And Ben is a revelation and also, I've got to say, an inspiration. Yes, I would agree. He really, really is. But I wanted to uh, just mention a couple things because mm. the great thing about 3 R is it gives this platform where – we can. Yes, so true. I'm just going to say, you know what? Mm. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I, I, I just want to say that. Yep. Um, uh, these are two things that give me hope. This this worldwide – how do we put this? Um, there's something when an idea and a time just hits and yeah. it's inexorable and it can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. And it can't be stopped by government saying – you shouldn't do this. No, it feels like one of those moments globally, doesn't it? It and really, really does. Gee, I hope it is. Um, yeah, the other one I really wanted to just mention, um, there was a young bloke. Mm. His name was William Callaghan. Mm. Have you heard of him? Yes, I have. The young 14-year-old non-verbal mm-hmm. autistic child mm-hmm. who was lost in the bush. Yep. And bloody hell, bravo, mm. the way that we as a society has evolved somewhat. Mm. In the fact that, here's a quote, police had asked locals to lay out feta cheese, peanut butter and other condiments in a bid to attract his attention. Mm. They were also encouraged to play Thomas the Tank Engine. And I laughed when Mm -hmm. I saw that. And to play the theme because the police had had an understanding of how this boy's mind worked. Mm -hmm. And it was this great thing where it was um, this understanding led to the Autism Advocacy Organisation praising authorities for adapting to the search. And that was one thing that gave me a little bit of hope. Is it, that it was, yeah, it was some good news this week that I think everyone needed. But, yeah, your broader point, you know, this, it, it can work if people just have empathy well, to remember each other. There, there was a time where you didn't speak of any sort of um, um, any sort of areas of mental illness mm-hmm. or other thing. I'm not saying autism is a mental illness. No. Please don't get me wrong on mm-hmm. that. But just an understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one thing where I thought, we've actually progressed. You'd like to think so. Yes, it's kind of good. Anyway, Shane Delia, a very good afternoon. Afternoon, mate. Hey. We haven't spoken for a while. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, mate. It's good. I'm a little bit dusty from last night, but I'm okay. <laughs> ah, good boy. Did you, um, what you get up to? I just had a, a very good mate of mine who was having a small gathering for some of his nearest and dearest, mm-hmm. and, um, and um, it just got a bit late. But it was good. It was good to see them. Was there any interesting things um, passing the lips? <laughs> uh, look, allegedly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm delighted to be able to uh, have a chat to uh, Shane Delia, um, renowned restaurateur around uh, this fair town. I was sort of doing, I think it was the Gregory Peck, where in network he said, look, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And in a small way, without maybe, you know, breaking things, 
or having the building surrounded by police, um, you might have done the same thing. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's time where we are now in this crazy period of our lives to not just keep going, you know, and just thinking, okay, well, that's just the way things are done, but it's a chance for us to really say, hey, well, we don't have to be sheep anymore. Everything's broken. Maybe I can be the shepherd. Mm-hmm. So um, we're looking at looking at new ways to do things. So, all right, I'm, I was being a little bit oblique in my introduction of the, the, the subject. Specifically, what we're talking about is delivery services. We've had these uh, multinational disruptive technologies, I think was sort of the euphemistic way that we talked about it, uh, Uber Eats, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in a way, a lot of the restaurateurs and restaurants have been getting... Well, a bit of a raw end of the deal, I suppose, would be a way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if... When I, when I start to look at it now, I mean, from the outside, it's always easy to sort of, you know, take pot shots. But mm. once you start to really peel back the layers of any business, I mean, and then Uber and Deliveroo and all that, they're, they're businesses at the end of the day, and they offer a different service than we offer. There's a lot of costs. I mean, a lot of costs to run those businesses. But... I just think that that service, that model, is quite broken. It's heavily reliant on the on the venue, the restaurateur, to absorb all the cost. Yep. Um, whereas we're, if we're supposed to be in a society, and if a society needs a service, then we should all be dipping in our pocket a little bit to get it. So um, the restaurateur, with what we do now at Providor, um, pays a small uh, commission, which goes to the platform to keep it running and bring customers through and make sure it's legal and make sure it's going to work and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the customer takes a little bit of the, the, the pain as well and takes a small fee. It's a $16.50 for a delivery charge. But that $16 fee gets them you know, up to a 35-kilometre radius delivery zone of the whole Melbourne CBD. So, wow. you know, Narry Warren, you know, Point Cook, Werribee, Mornington and everywhere in between. Um, and that's certified, refrigerated, cold freight, next morning delivery. So, you know, you place your order by 4, you'll have it on your doorstep by 8 a.m., that's a pretty good service, we reckon. I mean, it's not in the back of, you know, some some guy's uh, backpack riding around on a pushy, the all tepid and slobby. So, so well, it's not, not bad. That's the, look, that's the thing um, in the uh, – I'll be honest. I've only done Uber Eats probably maybe a handful of times, if I'm really, really honest. Uh, but you have to be so strategic in what you order. Like, you, you'd be a fool if you're going to order those spring rolls, for instance. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like much spring, not much spring left in them. No less spring; <laughs> it's more like soggy biscuit, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, that's look, what I she said. Anyway, let's uh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> so the the idea here is that um, you, you came up with an idea, and we'll just backtrack. It's called Provador. And I see what you've done with this. It's a bit of a wordplay thing. Provador with double O. Um, coming to your door. So <clears throat> your delivery is going to be done through the night, yeah? Yeah, so basically you go on to provador.com.au, you land on the on that, on that landing page, and at the moment there's about 15 of Melbourne's best restaurants. Um, next week we've got three more joining. We've got um, Lux by Atta and Pasuso. Yes. And then the week after we've got another three, and then there's another three. But um, we're not a, 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 a state company. We're going to be a national company. We're pushing into Sydney in July and then Brisbane and Adelaide in September. But I mean, so the, the way it works, you jump on, you choose your favourite restaurant, whether it's, you know, Movida or Supernormal or Flower Drum, Maha, whatever. Mm. Um, you order your stuff, the guys uh, it all and pack it all and it's sort of three quarter cooked, ready to be finished by you. And it goes in a, it goes in a thermal box with a big gel pack in it. Um, 
our delivery our delivery logistics company picks it up at four uh, four pm from the restaurants. They take it back to their uh, cold freight dispatch centre, and then from about two o'clock in the morning, they start doing their runs. You know, they start from the outside of Melbourne and start working their way in until they finish their runs by eight am. Um, and it's probably the most you know sensible and high quality way that we could work out to get premium food to, to a, a large sort of section of Melbourne. Wow. Okay. Well, and how how did this come about? I mean, obviously there was a, a bit of dissatisfaction, but from um, saying, "Look, I'm a little bit annoyed at these uh, companies to actually coming up with a new model." How how long did that take, and how did the process happen? Uh, it started. I mean, purely we were in the shit with everything that's happening with coronavirus and the mm. whole lockdown and. Um, you know, I've got 110 staff, and out of probably 30 of those staff are visa staff members who I didn't want to lose, who are our keys, our key key for our survival and yeah. our relaunch. And I said, okay, well, we're going to have to find a way to generate some revenue to, to keep these boys and girls employed. And, and we started a test pilot of this called Maha Go, which was pretty much yep. exactly what Provador was morphed into. And we started a little bit of a you know a delivery system, and we talked to our database, and it was really successful. And then I started talking to other restaurateurs and said, hey, this is what we're doing. I don't know what you guys are doing. Would you be interested in something like this if I could bring you this service? And they were all, yeah, no problem. And I think the real key was that I'm an, I'm an insider. You know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. lifer. You know, I'm not a parasite trying to feed at the, at the carcass of the industry. Yes. You know, so like they, they, they trust me. Yes. You know, so I, I, and I will do the right thing by the brand. So you know, I then reached out. I've got, lucky I've got a good network of people. A good mate of mine, Jason Wyatt, owns a company called Marketplacer which is one of the biggest, you know, marketplaces, online marketplace platforms in the globe. So he helped me get a, a, market, a, a website up pretty quick, which was, you know, it's a multi-store website. It looks good. I've got to say, uh, yeah. actually, kudos to the, the web design. It looks bloody awesome. Uh, Providor, oh, if you want to join along, join along with us. And uh, what is also really, really impressive is the, uh, uh, the restaurants that have joined up. So you've got Andrew McConnell's joined up. Uh, with uh, Cumulus and Supernormal, Supernormal. And oh, there it is. Yep, and yep. Uh, and and you've got Flower Drum. My God, you've got yep. Tipo. Scott Pickett's joined with Estelle. Um, there's yep. Frankie, there's obviously Frank Mavita. So there's, as you say, there's a bit of trust that um, you've been able to engender with uh, your compatriots. Well, I, I, I want to make sure that I deliver not just a great product for the customers, but I want to make sure the restaurants survive. I mean, we're a community. I mean, this isn't a one-horse town. We need, we need our strong restaurants to come back. We need our small restaurants to come back. But it, the, the industry, I believe, is never going to come back to how it was. And to be honest, I'm bloody grateful, hopeful it doesn't, because it was shit for a long time. You know, and this gives us an opportunity to press reset. Hopefully we can get some reform where everybody can, you know, eat, eat an even slice of the pie. Mm. But it also gives chance for restaurateurs like myself and the other guys on the platform to find multiple ways to connect with their customer that's not restricted to the bricks and mortar traditional business that we've always run. You know, now we can reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of people with a single click. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. I think, uh, you know, we've only, it's only been two weeks and it's been pretty successful so far. I don't think any of the guys are complaining. Well, we'll see how we go. Last question before we do go. What have you been cooking at home? <laughs> what have you been drinking with your cooking at home? 
Can I tell you? Before I went into lockdown, I had, a, I had every year my guys at Maha know that I like a Negroni. And for Christmas, they make me like 20 litres of pre-batch Negroni. Now, I have to say, if I did a stock take, there'd probably only be about six litres left. <laughs> 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 but, uh, all the burgundy that I was saving for a rainy day, I tell you what, it's been pretty cold, so I've been drinking it. Um, but it's, uh, there's, there's not much left, um, and I've been eating, I've been trying so hard, mate, to eat good, because just before we went into lockdown, I'd lost 13 kilos. <laughs> so I, um, yes. I kind of wanted to come out of this still looking like I was all right and I could still see my toes. Um, I have put a couple of kilos back on, but I'm going to start hitting the gym again soon. Yeah, I think uh, we... Well, I need to do that. My curve certainly needs flattening. Um, Shane, <laughs> good luck with it all. Congratulations. Thanks, um, great to speak. I can't wait to see you in the studio one of these days soon. Uh, but in the meantime, all strength to you, and we'll speak soon. Thanks, mate. Thanks for the support, and see you later. Always. See you, Shane. Uh, Lindell Moore. Let's see if yeah, we can <laughs> bring a smile to the face of the good people down there in Gippsland. Where have we found you? Where have you found me today? I'm in Lake Tyres Beach, Cam, in East Gippsland. How good is Lake Tyres Beach? Paint us a picture. Mm. Look across. What do you see? Okay, so right now I'm looking out over the the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and we are... It's a beautiful place. We're very lucky to live where we do and to be able to work here as well. I think we're blessed, you know. It's um, it's a little windy, but the sun is out, and it's, it's a beautiful weekend. Any, we're lucky. Any dolphins this morning? You know, we haven't had any dolphins this morning. I think the weather's it, the, the water's getting a little too cold, but oh, really? we are we're on the lookout for whales headed kind of north. Oh, really? Do you get whales come, too? Oh yeah, and oh. then we'll get them come back through in about October when they're headed down south again. So mm. yeah, we are we're pretty keen on on spotting. Um, <laughs> so we'll just see how good we are at that. But yeah. Lots of activity going on down here. It's beautiful. Now, yeah. you are a long-term resident, uh, lived in the area of, uh, of Gippsland, and um, we're here really to talk about an area that in all this, all this calamity that has been happening, all this disruption that has been happening, an area that possibly has been somewhat forgotten, and I thought it would be a really, well, both of us thought it would be a really great idea to go, hey, East Gippsland, hello. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think that an awful lot happened, an awful lot has happened. Since we started this year, it's been one of our strangest. But, um, oh, and even you know, go back, sorry to interrupt you, Lindell, but think about even before that long-term drought. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bushfire um, catastrophe <clears throat> ongoing, like, like the likes of which we've never seen. And agreed. And yeah. then and then coronavirus, which has just well, it's um, it's insulated the whole area from outsiders that can come enjoy it, and also to provide income and livelihoods for people within. Absolutely, I think you know the interesting thing about all of this is that. A lot of a lot of these communities down here that were either directly or indirectly affected by bushfire, um, we're starting to kind of see a nice visitation and some support straight after the fires, um, and they were starting to feel, you know, pretty well. They're, they're very resilient people down here, which is pretty fab. But things were starting to get back on track, and then of course Corona hit, and any chance a lot of them might have had to move forward or to recover from that bushfire. 
um, situation was not allowed to them. It was just not there anymore. And I guess that, you know, we'll come out of this and the whole world will be competing for, you know, visitation and tourism. What What we want people to understand is that this beautiful part of the world has been through so much um, well before COVID happened. And we want people to, to just kind of take a little step back and go, wow, remember we were all at one time thinking about how much support this community and all this area needed. Um, and we just want people to, you know, reconsider that notion. And I guess that we, we also want people to come down here. We very much want the support. But to understand that, you know, they have gone through, the people of this area, so much. Um, they want people to come back and see them. We want people to come back to East Gippsland, but be kind and, you know, just just understand that these people are doing the best they can um, and that, you know, everybody's pretty interested in moving forward in a big way, but we need um, some love and understanding in doing so, you know? You know, and, and one of the things... I've been going down there for about five years now um, mm. and the the thing that I've seen is how much the area is matured and is growing up and there are just some just awesome places to go mm. eat, drink, visit and things like that. For, could it might be a good idea. Can we maybe just describe the area that we're talking about? Um, sure, absolutely. So, so yeah. I work predominantly in East Gippsland, um, but um, Destination it, Gippsland, who are a business that very much bases themselves around you know, tourism and economy for for the entire Gippsland region, employed me kind of early this year to be somebody who's living and working in this East Gippsland community. So we're talking about everything essentially from Bairnsdale right through to beyond kind of Mallacoota. Um, And so it's a unique part of the world. We have beautiful beaches. We have, you know, we're the food bowl for, we believe, for a good part of the state. Um, We have fishing ports down here, so great seafood. But we have, I don't know, there's a lot of natural beauty, Cameron. So, you know, Lake Tyres Beach, which I, where I live, was voted the 17th best beach in the country. I think I might Um, have mentioned that at the top of the show. I don't think I had 17th. Yeah, well, I think 17th is pretty good. Yeah, damn right. You know, there's a big old coastline. A lot of beaches. Yeah, so, yeah, there's just, there's so much beauty down here. And, um, you know, sure, we're, we're a little trip in the car from the big smoke, but people who come here, and you've done this yourself, you you make the decision to take that trip, and it's probably not the last one you're going to make because it grows, East Gippsland grows on people. Um, and we feel so blessed to live here. We're very, very lucky because, as you know, we were in the city for so many years, made the decision to relocate in, like, you know, 2015. Um, and I don't know if I could ever go back to the city. I love going back for visits, but this is where my heart is. It's just a beautiful part of the world. And, you know, it's, uh, it is, as you say, it's maturing all the time. There's so much to offer. So, yeah, we're, we are, and I'll say it again, we're blessed to live in this beautiful place. And bloody open for business. Plan. So um, now <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the things I, I, I just quickly want to uh, mention, I thought I might do the, uh, so look across to my producer and say, I'm going to do the Julie Andrews. And he's laughing, he's going, you're clicheing again, I'm going to punch you. Um, but, uh, no, to talk about those, uh, those favourite things of, um, around there, I wanted to mention, this is actually a wish that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Um, you have down there an area that's called the Riviera of... Uh, the, the Riviera? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm thinking of, of Painesville and Meetung. 
First of, of all, Mi Tung Pub. Oh, my God, what a place to go and have a beer. Secondly, uh, Sardine yeah. in Painesville. Wow. I mean, yeah. this is a restaurant that, well, could be anywhere in Melbourne, really, you know. Um, it could be. Doing, but it, it features all of, you know, all of its uh, produce is from here. We yep. love that. And that's, we and, love that it features. And that's the same as um, Rob Barbary down there. And in, in, the, in the main street of Bairnsdale, you've got a place called Northern Ground. That's um, correct, and... And He's a could, northerner. He's a northern English lad. So, but again, yeah. that could be like um, it's almost like a cumulus um, on the main street of of Bansdale. Yeah. Amazing food, great support for all the locals. You've got amazing food like Snowy River Black Garlic. I just mm. like, there is a lot. There's a couple of my favourite things. What are yours? Just to get people get the juices oh, going. I was okay. Marlowe Hotel. I, I had um, – Have you, you must have been in the Marlowe Hotel. How awesome is that? Uh, you know, I reckon I started going to the Marlowe Hotel to see live bands in the mid-'80s. <laughs> oh, wow. I think I was underage at the time, Cam. But, um, oh, we might but have no, all, that, yeah, we've all done a little bit of that. Of pub. We do – and, you know, the, the Waterwheel Tavern in Lake Tyres Beach, fabulous pub, incredible views. Um, the Kalimna Hotel to start the other side of Lake's entrance. The Meechung Hotel. I mean, there's so many great pubs. The Bruthen Inn at Bruthen is. Oh, how are they going? A, are they are a they... pub for the ages? How's, how's the Bruthen Inn going? Because the they fires came really, really close to them, didn't they? Look, they they did. The fire threat was pretty bad for Bruthen, but yeah. they, they they usually would have um, an annual blues festival down there that's been going for many, many years. And that is kind of the thing that they're, you know, Bruthen is so good at that. It's a beautiful little arts and music community. And they couldn't stage it this year, which I think broke mm. a few hearts. Yes. But um, that, you know, it'll come back as soon as it can next year. And um, I think we're keen to bring as many of our the events within our calendar down here back because we just want people to come back here and we want to have these wonderful reasons for them to return. But, yeah, Bruthen, you know, they're, again, very cool community um, and really kind of take good care of each other, look out for each other. But all of East Gippsland is like that, you know. It's like right. people are good to each other, so, yeah. Lindell, um, if people wanted to get um, an idea, like Matt across from me over here, if he wanted to just look up something to find out, what should I do, where should I go, what's a good resource to uh, to check out? Sure. Um, well, I think you have the uh, – you might have our – our website address there, Cam, but it's Destination Gippsland. If you look that up, www. Um, and just it is a really great extensive website that links to lots of really great experiences. Yeah, Visit um, Victoria's good. You can check that out. Victoria's fabulous as yeah. well, yeah. Yep. But, um, you know, there's plenty of information about this area. It's been updated all the time, and we like to keep it fresh because obviously a lot's changed. So, um, again, you know, we can't wait to see people back here, but... We just hope they'll understand that or remember, in fact, that East Gippsland has been through an awful lot. Yes. Um, well, and yeah. we just we just want people to understand that. And, and, you know, fill up your esky on the way down here. We love that whole concept. Come visit and support people as you drive down here. And, and then just come and stay. Um, and we have the most beautiful night skies. Winter produces fabulous surf, although, you know, really cold waters. But the night skies down here are out of this world. <laughs> 12 mil you know, steamer, thanks. Yeah, yes. yeah, a thick one, please. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it's a great trip, you know, great road trip and, you know, just explore lots of wonderful things along the way. And yeah. one person uh, actually mentioned something to me and something I've never done, 
and I need uh, to do this is the Great Alpine Way. Uh, okay, a beautiful, so that is- a beautiful oh. scenic road and uh, yeah. incredible. I mean, there you go, Lindell. Well, yeah. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to uh, to leave you to the glory of uh, your vista that you have. Oh, and I'll enjoy it. But I want to thank you, Cam, for supporting East Gippsland. You've always been a great supporter of of our region, and and I think we've got a, a bloody good champion in our corner. So thank you. Oh, so well, much there's some. For doing there's some. Well, it just reflects the the awesome people that I've met up there, and the and the cool. stuff that that happens around there. So it's yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That. All right, well, you look, have a great day, and you keep in touch too, because uh, we're more than happy to uh, to keep singing the area's praises because uh, it deserves it. Thank you so much. Your pleasure. All righty. All right, Ben Shuri. Very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, this sounds great. Yes. We really should do. This, we're <laughs> saying we should. Technology. We should do this more often. This FaceTime thing. Um. It hit us so quick. None of us saw this thing. I mean, we were aware of what was happening, Ben. And, of course, that's Ben Shuri from Worldwide Acclaimed Attica Restaurant in Ripon Lee. But we weren't. We weren't prepared for how fast it would just come and kind of swathe through the industry. No, I mean, it. you know, it, it really came out of nowhere and, um, you know, really just... Sh- showed us all how you know thin the veneer is hey on life i suppose just generally in business and um how true that is mm, civilization is only a few millimeters thick yeah yeah i mean the gloss just comes straight off you know would be probably the best way to describe how it was for me Uh, not that there was a lot of gloss like on my (laughs) life anyway um to be honest but um you know it's probably not as glamorous as it might or look from the outside. As glamorous as a lot of people think because there's a lot of misconceptions about the glamorous owner of, you know, this incredible business. It's a bit – the reality is a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, the, a restaurant like Attica is, you know, traditionally has incredibly tight margins and very, very high costs. You know, we were cooking for 60 people a night with using more than 40 staff to, to service those 60 people. And that in itself, you know, is um, is just a, a massive cost. And take into account that we, you know, we had a lease, we have a lease on a garden of, you know, two thousand square meters where we grow vegetables and harvest. And that's at Ripon Lee, of course. Yeah, we yeah, we don't like we buy you know the best products in Australia, the best foods in Australia, and we pay the prices that people ask. And um, and you know, it just adds up to something that's incredibly, incredibly expensive to make. And I um, kind of didn't have a problem with that, but it was never—it's uh, never been a very, um, you know, profitable or lucrative thing. And <laughs> I, I, you know, but that said, it was like it's you know one of the one of the great loves of my life. Um, you know, besides my partner Kylie and my children, and um, and it was my only asset. So you know, I don't own much, uh, but I did own a restaurant. And owning, you know, becoming the owner of a restaurant, you know, it was a really, really big deal for a chef um, mm-hmm. without business partners. And uh, and so when you know, I guess around the fifteenth of March, when COVID really came, you know, came home to me, um, I thought that I was going to lose everything. I thought I would lose the business and the company, and that my staff's jobs would be gone as well and um, I couldn't believe that that was happening to me and I 
um, I had this one day, which was, you know, I was pretty low day, you know, I don't have many low days. And the next day, though, I, I picked myself back up and um, I just felt very strongly that this couldn't be the end, that, that we had to continue and we had to find a way to survive. And those following weeks were just some of the most frantic and absolutely crazy and, you know, nails on the chalkboard kind of weeks that I've ever had in my whole life. You know, they just worked um, around the clock. And just to make ends meet and, you know, that's my responsibility as the owner and the person responsible for paying, you know, a lot of people's wages and I just had them in my mind the whole time, you know, I just had all of the people that had just put so much into my company, into my business, I just wanted to protect them and it was so terrifying to, you know, to just go through it and to think of what would happen to them if Attica failed, you know. Because there's a whole bunch of people that, yeah, that you felt responsible for that need, and that goes for the society that need a roof over our heads. We need the shelter. We need, uh, you know, food in our tummies, uh, shelter over the top of us. And this was all thrown to the wind almost, wasn't it? When when this well, thing happened, right. yeah, and you know, it's even beyond my staff. It's suppliers you know that are getting hurt as well and yeah, right. pe- you know communities you know we had a, an order you know placed with um you know with the community in manangrita and arnhem land who we work very closely with um, with bawananga aboriginal corporation we had an order for nearly half a ton of bush apples that we'd placed just before covid hit covid hit and you know if i wasn't able to take that order, you know, and pay for that order, it leads to bigger problems there as well. You know, what are they supposed to do with all of those apples that they, those bush apples um, that they harvested on my behalf? For so, you, yes. Yeah, so that's just one example. So, you know, we had to find a way to continue because, you know, Attica's bigger than just its 40 staff as well. It's, you know, there's a whole network of community of people supporting and supplying Attica, about 2,000 people. And, um and we want, we wanted to continue for them as well, but also, you know, the community in Melbourne because you know, so many people celebrated, you know, their birthdays and weddings and anniversaries over the years and um, hmm. just, like, felt like, um, you know, we kind of didn't want to, you know, not be there for those as well. And uh, the support from the community has just been um, absolutely overwhelming, like, just absolutely it's just heartfelt and powerful and visceral, and um, we just haven't taken it for granted for a second. You know, we just try to be really engaged with people, and um, you know, we've been very optimistic and very positive, um, and we try to put that into the to community too because we know it's just such a difficult time for everybody, and you know, particularly a difficult time for the most vulnerable in our community. You know, we, it's not like you know you can talk about silver linings and stuff, hey, but you know for. There's no silver linings for a large portion of our, our of our population, so it's um. But while we're really positive, we're really conscious as well that you know this is a very very stressful time, and we're not out of the, the woods ourselves at all. You know we need to support continued support of the community. We we can't right now can't really see like a, a future um, date when we were reopen. You know, and, and that and that asks the question that you know what is Attica going to be. At the end of it, it can't, you know, we have the government talking about, you know, snapping back like an elastic band, but can can you envision just Attica just suddenly 
being able to open up again as it was, or is that no? That's not, changed not like that. now, isn't it? It has, yeah. You know, Attica will come back eventually, and it will yeah. be more than what it was. You know, like, and it will be like a greater restaurant because of going through these hard times. If we can get through this, I honestly believe the whole time I've believed that we will come out of this like a better company and a better restaurant, mm. um, and you know, a more diverse company and restaurant. Um, and so. Um, because it's it's amazing going into the place now. I was lucky enough to come and and drop in and, and see you, and I went and um, got one of those excellent T-shirts that you now sell. Um, but it's like, Cam, here's the dining room, and the dining room is completely unrecognisable because it's full of uh, kitchen equipment, and it's like the the kitchen has come outside to the dining room. It's well, that, it, it, yeah, it is. I mean, um, you know. It's been, as I said, like it's just been complete madness and chaos um, because we turned, no, we turned our restaurant into a completely different business, a couple of different businesses within four days at the beginning, Hmm. including rebuilding websites and infrastructure and logistics and working out how to deliver hot food to people within a 10-kilometre radius of the restaurant. Um, I have a lot of people that I should, you know, absolutely attribute those... um, milestones too too like you know our head chef matt boyle and our restaurant manager alice and you know my partner and also operations manager kylie stadden and countless other people at attica who have just embraced it to the fullest from the first day as soon as i said look guys you know do you want to do this because we sat down and had a conversation do you want to do this you know do do we want to fight do we want to keep going do we going? want to fight yeah. you know i i want to fight but i won't make you fight if they, if you think it's unsafe or you don't want to do that you mm. know and are you every with me? single person yeah are you with me but if you're not with me i understand it's okay you can step out like and every single person said no we 100% want to fight we believe in this and we don't want this to be the end so you know those people i'm so grateful to you know well it, i suppose is um like attracts like there, Ben. I mean, um, I see you as a, a, a bloody good person and uh, you attract good people around you and uh, I think it's a, it's a bit of a testament. But I just want to acknowledge to you that I understand how hard this, is, this has been and, and just the strength uh, that you've shown um, and just your dogged, bloody determination to keep putting your feet on the floor every day, and and turn up and keep fighting. That's it. You don't just um, you know remain positive at all costs uh, in the face of all things. And um, you know, even in the darkest days that we've had, we've we've had an opportunity to have a laugh as well. You know, we've felt sad, <laughs> yes. and we've cried. You know. And, you know, we're not invincible and things still hurt. You know, that's okay. Like, um, And there's nothing like and, black humour, is there? Oh, no. It's just, it's, you just it, got to get amongst it and, like, not yeah. take yourself too seriously. Yes. And um, I guess, you know, uh, there's there's always been that through Attica, but we have, you know, we're, with me and the staff and the playfulness, you know, but I've never really – I've never promoted it at all. And uh, as things went on, just the situation became more, like, crazy and ridiculous and – I don't know, just to cope, like you want to just like release yourself. And um, and I, I felt like like I've been um, freed up a lot, you know, and I, I think that fine dining puts like a particular kind of set of rules on you globally. You know, there's a, 
there's a, there's a way that you should run a restaurant yes, like ours yes. and I never subscribe to it and I don't like a lot of it, like a lot of the formality and 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 stuff. And there's some good things as well, like high standards. But um, but for me, I you know I haven't felt kind of comfortable in that world because it's not where I came from. I came from the remote back country of New Zealand, and mm. fine dining's like the furthest thing away from my childhood. You know, yeah, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want like what we do to like reflect, you know, like our personality, the company of our personality, and just. You know, I really, really strongly, strongly believe that the, the best companies that I admire the most are companies that are contributing to the society as well, not just taking, don't just have like a product to sell. That's yes. so boring. You know, why don't you like create something that makes people laugh and smile, even if it is, you know, embarrassing yourself deeply, you know? Well, I've, I've actually, I've got to say, there's been a couple of things you've done. I see you as being a really fucking funny guy. <laughs> Um, like seriously, the okay. That when you were sneaking in Loon, and you did that thing when you were sneaking to grab the pastry, and you did this sort of roll. It was like I don't know. I thought I was watching the Pink Panther, but uh, <laughs> thanks. No, I like telling stories. You know, I, yeah, I, uh, life's too life's too short to posture, man. You know, and the idea for Dave. Yeah, that was good. That was a good time. How did you that know, happen? But, Tell us a little bit quickly about well, Dave. Well, you know, Kate and Cam at Loon are close friends of mine. We've been talking about collaborating for ages, and Kate, yeah. you know, from Loon reached out and offered us the pastry in the first week she of said, you want, you the want shit some, hitting the fan. You want and, some um, warm pastry, though? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so and I you know I meditated on it a little bit because you know I have such high regard for Loon and for their yeah. pastry, and so I need to do it justice. So I'm not a pastry chef per se. I have spent a lot of time in the pastry kitchen, about seven years of my career, but I. But I, um, so I wanted to make something beautiful because, you know, there was a lot of lasagna being made at Attica, <laughs> yes. and uh, there is a lot of lasagna being made at Attica, and and I wanted to show that through like a crisis that that people who are creative and want make beautiful things continue to do that as well as not that I'm saying that the lasagna is not a beautiful thing it really is it's it's handmade and intricate at yeah Attica, but, but, but it's it's lasagna it's a known it thing is. rather than it is an it is a known thing it's not yeah. like a new new creative invention you know so yes. Dave was this kind of um, you know a part of like my personality but also like taking like the most respect that I had for Loon and just trying to apply that respect and my skill to it and it took a few weeks for me to develop it and then. I wanted to. Uh, I had a friend that was just shot it so beautifully in uh, ultra um, slow mo, and and then I have other friends that filmmakers. So I said, "Hey, I've written a script." You know, like I ran it by Kate, and like Kate and Cam, were like holy smokes, you know, yes. <laughs> this guy's like <laughs> you know, loose unit. But they you were like real, what? real good sports about it, and they they just let us into their world, and I just like totally like ransacked their place, and um, and we filmed this little film, and you know, it, it's it. It, it's not about making money at all because you know we only sell six Daves a day. And what, can you the, just describe what what did Dave turn into be? What is Dave for those that Dave, are... Dave's Dave's like a, a fancy pudding, pastry pudding. He's like you know he's like the pastry pudding that you never knew that you wanted. You yeah, know? like he you know he's the every man, but he's but he's also but he's special. This person that like gets to get dressed up like on the weekends, and and he has like native fruits candy native fruits all over him and um and he's just like he likes to luxuriate on the sofa with you know like pure cream and custard and (laughs) 
that's what that's what Dave is, you know. So, yes. Yeah, Dave's Dave's quite a guy, and um, and you know, it's Dave because you know um, a lot of people like create things like cronuts and yes. um, and like these sort of hybrid cruffins and cruffins. Yeah, and yeah. I I'm not like you know I'm not from that world, so I just wanted to like create something that was beautiful, but that was also very relatable. Um, and create like a bit of a story around it because everybody's locked up and you know, and is um, stuck at home. And you know, I think I just thought it was, you know, Dave, time for some time for some humour and time for something that was truly beautiful as well. Ben, you rocked it with with that one, buddy. Um, Thanks, mate. You, uh, I, I, I so admire what you do. Um, it's great to have a chat with you. I just wanted to say. Um, Keep strong, but I don't need to say that. I also want to acknowledge what you've been doing with Danny in feeding people. Um, that needs to be uh, acknowledged. Well done there. Um, and I thought there was some stuff that you wrote in that incredible article that was written last week in Good Weekend where you said this mantra, which is be good to each other, be grateful for the small things, never keep doing what you love, and the most important, never give up. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. Just keep going. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. <laughs>